Good morning. Um, and if you've got a Bible, you can turn it to um, Matthew chapter 11 uh, from verse 25. Um, but before I start on that, just something that came, sprang to uh, my memory as we were worshipping this morning was a, a passage from Zechariah chapter 8, uh, which is um, not normally, I don't normally kind of go through the book of Zechariah, but it kind of sprang to mind. And it, and it was this, it's a wonderful promise of the blessing of God and, and what it is like when the day of the Lord comes and the wonderful promise of God comes again. And uh, it says this, uh, This is what the Lord Almighty says once again, Men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing in them. And I kind of just think, do you know what? Sometimes there's mornings like this morning where it does seem a little bit noisy, doesn't it? Seems a little bit hectic. There's a little bit of chaos with children. But I just wonder, sometimes, when I notice that, I don't get grumpy. I, I remember that prophetic promise from Zechariah that the, noise, that, that the blessing of God is, is illustrated, pictured by the noise of children, boys and girls, playing in the street. And I think of that wonderful promise of the blessing of God. And so I just wonder if, if that's this morning, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we sense that. I know we get a bit grouchy sometimes, don't we? Oh, the kids are making a noise. But I wonder whether there's something in there that we get a glimpse of the blessing of God. God chooses to say, this is what the blessing, my blessing looks like. Children, boys and girls can play innocently in the streets because there's no fear. And I just think, do you know what? Perhaps we sense that some mornings. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't look after our children and make sure they're okay and make sure they're engaging in the worship, but doesn't it lift you a little bit when you see the joy of kids, when you see that they're, they're loving being with us on a Sunday morning? And uh, perhaps we need to, we need to uh, work out how we compromise to them as opposed to them compromise to us. Anyway, there we go. That wasn't planned, but two people have prayed for the, me this morning that I would go off my notes, so there we have it. I've done it. <laughs> right, we are starting a new series this morning, and uh, it's uh, based on uh, our values, and uh, we're going to be looking at the second of our values. See, values are kind of the culture, the way things are done in a place, what we hold dear to ourselves. If you want a quick reminder of our values, there they are. We rejoice. Let's say them together. We rejoice. We welcome, we inspire, we go. And can we have them in Farsi as well? There we go. I, I can read it in English. We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, we go. I need someone to do it in Tigrinian for us. Perhaps someone can help us put it into Tigrinian. Uh, that would be helpful. And so I was thinking about, so we're looking at we welcome. Um, our second value. And I was thinking about really traditional welcomes around the world. You know, if you are uh, uh, white British, perhaps your welcome might involve a handshake. It might be a very polite, there we go, you might even follow up with that or a pat on the back. Um, if you're from the Middle East, like many of our Middle Eastern friends, it might involve some kissing, mightn't it? <laughs> yeah? You like it? might involve a few kisses as you, 
if you're from Eritrea or Ethiopia, it might be that, um, that, that kind of thing that you do. <laughs> uh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. It might be that. A bit of a shoulder rub. Do you know what? If you uh, live uh, in Ghana, and I've checked this with my friend Michael, there's a, a quite a trendy little handshake with a kind of slap and a snap. Can Luke do it? I bet Luke can do it, can't he? Where you kind of shake their hands, but you, you kind of fill up with a slap and then a... And you make them click. It's a, it's a traditional Ghanaian welcome. If you're in Tibet, it, you may welcome someone with your tongue out. And, and apparently it does have some meaning, uh, and there is a reason for it. So if someone in Tibet sticks their tongue out at you, it's a welcome. If you are from uh, uh, Tuvalu, um, in the Indonesian islands, I assume it is, you might get very close to someone with your face up to them and breathe in deeply. You better hope they've had a shower that morning. If you're from the Maasai tribe in um, Kenya, you might be welcomed by a whole kind of circle of people jumping as they welcome you into the village. I think that's my favourite. But listen, welcome, of course, is more than just how we greet someone. It's more than that. And we're going to be looking through this series at Encounters with Jesus. We're going to be looking at 10 or 11 uh, people or situations of people that met Jesus. We're going to look at the radical welcome that he gave them uh, and how we can follow in that way. Because as a, as a value, it's very easy to think, well, actually, well, all this is about is simply looking at how God welcomes others and uh, how we're meant to be welcoming people. But as we kick off this series, I really do believe that we're to see that Jesus welcomes us. He welcomes us. And so we're going to read a passage this morning with an amazing invitation of welcome to all. Matthew 11 from verse 25. So let me just read this for us. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So before we get into this amazing invitation of welcome from Jesus, I want to have a look at what he says immediately before that. Because actually, it's really key to understanding his invitation of welcome. So you, you may have heard people say, well, do you know what? Jesus never claimed to be 
anything more special than a teacher. Jesus, he may have spoke for God, he was a prophet, but that's all it was. That's all he was. But here, as we've read, he's saying something very different. He's saying something very radical. He's saying, look, I have a divine relationship with God the Father. Listen, this is what he said. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Do you know what? It's an insight, a glimpse into our understanding that we have as Christians of the Trinity. We were singing about it this morning, weren't we? Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. God in three persons. You might be thinking, why are you talking about the Trinity? Stop talking about theological stuff on a Sunday morning. No, 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 you're trying to be welcoming this morning. But actually, this is really, really important to our message this morning. See, the Trinity is about wholeness, about unity, about perfect relationship. But for 2,000 years, people have been trying to separate out God. In fact, they've been trying to separate out the God of the Old Testament, as they would see it, and the God of the New Essentially, separating out the bits of God that they like with the bits of God that they don't like. So, for instance, they will think, well, the God of the Old Testament, well, you know what? He was nasty and violent and vengeful. Whereas the God of the New Testament that we see, we see him in sending the Son. And, you know, he's kind and forgiving and welcoming. It's an age-old idea, and... It goes even back to the beginnings of the church, actually. Even with a guy that we find in the kind of early church times, just shortly after the Bible's been written, a guy called Marcion. Not Martian. Marcion. And uh, Marcion was around in the kind of 100 AD, um, and he was very successful in doing exactly what I said, exactly saying, do you know what, I think there's two gods. I think there's the nasty God of the Old Testament, but I think there's the kind God of the New Testament that sends Jesus. And, the ch- and it's a total misunderstanding of Scripture. Totally, it's totally misunderstanding the God of the Old Testament who is love, you know, as well as he hates sin and hates wrath. Uh, sorry, and is wrathful towards injustice, but he's kind and loving and full of forgiveness and tenderness. And it's a total misunderstanding of the very words that Jesus said as well. And the church had to defend against this teaching with a clear understanding of the Bible. And you get some of these people who led a defense of this teaching, a defense against Martin's teachings, People, like, um, people from the Middle East like Justin Martyr, Africans like Tertullian, Europeans like Arrhenius. You know, these may- names might mean nothing to you. But I, I kind of say it as an aside, really, so that we know that, you know what, Christianity isn't a white European, thi- a white European thing. 
No, no, it's full of diversity and richness of thought and theology. And we want to thank God for guys like this from three different continents who shaped biblical thinking and fought for biblical truth. But we even see Marcion-like thinking today. Do you know what? I'll just stick to Jesus and I'll avoid all that Old Testament stuff. You know, a God who is angered by wrongdoing? Oh, no, no, I don't like that. I'm not sure about that. But actually what we see in this passage is Jesus is offering us welcome and rest because of who he is. Because he, he says, because the eternal father, the God of Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, because we're one, he says, I'm being sent. And it's him that sent me. Listen, this is a quote from the Bible teacher Michael Green. He passed away last year. He says this about this passage. It's precisely because he, that's Jesus, shares the Father's nature as well as ours that he alone can reveal the Father. He can show us because he knows. He can introduce us because he belongs. And I would add, he can welcome us because he is the Son. This may sound offensive to you. But Jesus is saying, do you know what? I'm not just a man that's pointing to God. Actually, I'm the God-man welcoming you in. And then we get to this wonderful invitation from Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, what can we be wearied and burdened from? Or we can be weary and burdened simply from life circumstances. Simply from just, a, just the, the day-to-day in and out of life. And do you know what? Sometimes getting through a week, maybe even sometimes getting through a day, can feel like an achievement. Might be an illness, might be a relational difficulty, might be an asylum case, might be a parenting problem. There can be those moments, can't there, where we think, do you know what, I'm, I'm drained, I haven't got any more energy to give. I haven't got any more thinking space to use. And it can cause us to disbelieve that Jesus offers us rest. We could be weary and burdened from oppression. See, um, uh, when he talks about a yoke later on, you know, you know what a yoke is? Do we know what a yoke is? Yeah, a yoke was like one big bit of wood that basically they put on an animal and uh, they might yoke two animals together, but they put this bit of wood on the animal to make it do what they want to do, to move it around and work the ground. And often, it's often in the Old Testament, a yoke is a, a, a picture of oppression. So this is what uh, God says in Exodus 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. See, I know some of us here will have fled oppressive situations from your nation. And you've fled to the UK for safety. Perhaps you're even still feeling some of that oppression even in the UK. I know there's people here who are from this nation who may be sensing oppression for all sorts of different reasons. 
nothing of their own doing. Perhaps it's spiritual oppression. Maybe you just feel under the attack of a spiritual enemy. See, I know enough to know that there are people here who are weary and burdened from life's circumstances and from oppression. But I think there's also one more thing that's slightly less obvious at first, but just as valid. See, I think tiredness and being burdened can be caused from looking to earn acceptance and significance. Really, you might be thinking? Actually, yeah. Do you know what? Finding acceptance is a really big deal for us. See, we all want to know we're worth something, don't we? We all want to know deep down that we're significant. There's something significant to us. And we all look for that acceptance in a variety of places. Work, success, family, doing good stuff, having loads of possessions. I know I've used this example before, but I quite like it. Perhaps you've seen the boxing movies, Rocky. Is anyone into boxing? Have we got any big boxing fans? We'll have some big boxing haters, I'm sure, and some big boxing fans. But anyway, you might like movies. But anyway, in the first Rocky film, Rocky, played by Sylvester Stallone, is going to fight the heavyweight champion. Do you remember his name? Apollo. Apollo. Yeah, Apollo Creed. And, and, and Rocky is the underdog. And he says to his girlfriend, look, I just want to go the distance with, with Creed. I just want to last the whole boxing match. And he says this, if I can go the distance, you see, if that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life that I weren't just another bum from the neighbourhood. See, I can't do it in Rocky's accent, but... <laughs> I weren't just another bum from the neighbourhood. What's he saying? What's he saying? Do you know what? If I can do that, if I can stand on my feet, if I can take the, take the hits, I'll, then I'll know that I'm someone. Then I'll know that I'm significant. But do you know what? I think that's how a lot of us treat life. If I can just achieve this, if I can just get to this level, if I can just become a doctor, if I can just become an electrician, if I can get my own place, if I can find the partner of my dreams, I'll be able to accept myself. I'll be something. Some of us treat Christian living like that. See, the problem with, with so many Christian activities, you know, prayer, reading the Bible, attending group, coming on Sunday mornings, they're good when we have a healthy approach to them. They can help us grow. They can help us do good. They can be good for us. But the problem is we can so easily turn them into a way of acceptance with God. If I can just read my Bible more, if I can just get to church every Sunday, if I can just pray every day, if I can just go the distance with God, then, I'll, then he'll see that I'm just not another bum from the neighbourhood. See, the problem is this. What happens when those things fail us? What happens when we fail then? What happens when we realise that they're not as, uh, not as satisfying as we thought they would be? The job disappears. The dream relationship is not all we thought it was. We just can't keep up with our religious duty. 
So we can try and fix our need for acceptance by doing stuff, being good, being successful. Alternatively, we can just try and hide it. We can just try and push it down, down, down until we're not thinking about it. The American church leader Scott Sauls tells a story in one of his books about an email that a woman in his church sent him. And it was shortly after he had challenged her about her uh, overly opinionated and rude behavior. There's no one like that. But, and he, he, he challenged her and he was thinking, do you know what's going to happen? She's going to leave. She's going to blow up. And she sent him this email and she said this, Dear Scott, can I be honest with you? Can I share with you some of the demons that haunt me? It feels risky to say these sorts of things to my pastor, but here goes. I doubt my love for Jesus. Sometimes I don't think I really love him at all. I wonder if I'm just playing a game, going through the motions, because I enjoy being around other Christians. Maybe this is just a strategy to have Christian friends. Sometimes I feel I'm a well-intentioned fraud. This terrifies me. I fear that I'm an outsider to things I really want to be part of. Do you know what? She was covering up her hunger for acceptance with an overconfidence and rudeness. Just in the way that Rocky was covering, up, covering it up with success. Just in the way that I can sometimes cover it up with independence and believing that I'm in control. Or that others can try and cover it up with work or with spending. Look, whatever it is, it won't do. But Jesus says, I welcome you. Come to me. Come and find acceptance. Come and find rest. No more trying to fix it yourself. No more trying to hide it and push it down till it can't be, it can't be seen. Come and find rest, Jesus says. And we read that wonderful invitation of rest, don't we, in verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen, that is one of the most amazing passages. One of the most amazing promises. And do you know what? It gets richer and deeper as you read it. You can, you, do you know what? You can even put emphasis on different words and it becomes even richer and deeper. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe you're looking for that acceptance, that significance. This morning, where are you looking? Has it made you weary and burdened? Listen, hear the invitation of Jesus this morning. We've already heard it once already from Shirley. Hear the invitation of Jesus this morning. might be the first time you've ever done that. But he wants to give you rest this morning. But not only are we invited to Jesus to find rest, we're invited to take on his yoke. Do you remember the yoke, the bit of wood on the animal? The heavy, oppressive thing, but Jesus says, no, no, take on my yoke. 
What does he say? He says, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, he invites us to be attached to him, to learn from him. It's a yoke of relationship with him. It's not a yoke of oppression. It's a yoke where we find rest for our souls. See, this welcome that Jesus invites us into isn't a rest from activity, believe it or not. It's simply a rest from the wrong activity. The the activity that's rooted in the wrong place, that drains us, that tires us. Now, he wants us to be yoked into a relationship and into activity that brings life. So there's a strap line to all our values. You may not know them because we don't always share them on a Sunday. We'll try and get better at that. But there's a strap line to all our values. We welcome, and it's all rooted in who God is. We welcome because... Now, this is really testing people. We welcome because... Maybe I should ask one of the elders... Oh, oh, close, close. Found those because she wrote them out for me and put them on our office wall, so we've got them. God is love. Yes, we welcome because God is love. See, we can in everything we do, we can show people welcome. We can show people a hand of friendship. Because God is love. And if we can all do that, that means we can do it together and we're all involved, aren't we? Yeah. We're all involved. That's all of us. Listen, take Sundays, for instance. Perhaps you just put out the cups. Perhaps you just tidy up the cups afterwards. Perhaps you just come and set out some chairs. Do you know what you're doing? you're involved in being the welcome of God. You are. You might not think that. You might think, well, I'm, I'm not this kind of over-friendly person that can welcome everyone and be really friendly and say, hi, how are you doing? And No, no. But you know what? I can put some cups out. I can wash some things up. I can put some chairs out. I can facilitate others, maybe, to be the welcome of God. I can put some signs around the place so that people feel welcome. Not just welcome in a building, but experience the welcome of God as they come in and be part of us. It's a together thing. You might be the person who misses everyone else. Everyone else that's been missed, you might be that person that spots them and gets to share the welcome of God with them. But like so much more, it's not just Sundays. It's all of life. It's all of life. It's all of church life. It's all of your life. It's a whole mission thing. Jesus calls to live it out. The welcome and invitation of God that we've received from him. Listen to the words of John Piper on this. He said this, When we practice hospitality, and he's just talking about welcome. He's talking about being a welcoming people. When we practice hospitality, here's what happens we experience the refreshing joy of being conduits. That just means channels. It means channels of God's hospitality rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs. You know, a cul-de-sac is just a road that doesn't go anywhere and leads to a dead end. 
The joy, listen to this, the joy of receiving God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality to others. Listen, there's so much more we could say about hospitality, but we don't have the time this morning. But listen, Jubilee, we've been welcomed by God. We've received the welcome of God so that we can be channels. Channels of the joy and love of God to those around us. And not everyone's going to come to one of our meetings. It will be in our workplace. It will be at the school gates. It will be in your school or in your college. It will be as you go out and do stuff around Eshwood Square or in Stockton or in the villages. That It will channel out from us to a world who so needs him. It'll happen with people like us. It'll happen with people who are different to us. It'll happen with people who are really grateful. It will happen with people who seem ungrateful. But Jubilee, we're called to touch life after life after life with the welcome of God. Here's just one example. and there's me- I know there's many examples across our community, but here's just one example. You know, a number of people here are privileged to be involved with Open Door, our charity that works with asylum seekers and refugees, people coming from other nations looking for safety and for refuge. And this is what one lady wrote um, of her experience of Open Door just recently. She wrote a thank you note about the, the welcome she'd received. And she said this, You wiped away my tears. You received me with open hearts and hands. You have given me hope, comfort, accommodation, food. You always encouraged me that things would be fine. You gave me a shoulder to cry on. And then she finishes it saying, because she was being moved to another part of the country. And she said, I pray I meet people like you in my next city. And you know what? I know there's story after story after story in our community of that. Of lives being touched by the welcome of God. People from this nation, people from other nations. That's our calling, Jubilee. It's our calling to channel the love and the welcome of God that we've received. Won't always be easy. Won't always be easy. At times it'll be hard. At times it will cost us. But here's the thing. Do you know what? Cost Jesus. It cost Jesus. In fact, he gave the ultimate cost. He gave his life for all our looking for acceptance and significance in other places, for all our sin, for all our trying to hide it away. He dealt with all that on the cross. On the cross defeated it. Like Lou sang out this morning, it is finished and dealt with. Jesus dealt with it once and for all so that we didn't have to. Cost him his very life. But why? Because God is love. Listen, I want us to respond this morning to this. I I think there are three ways we may respond this morning. And uh, I think the first might be, do you know what? You might want to um, do something to um, symbolize that prayer you may have prayed when Shirley prayed. 
And if you're here as a, not a Christian this morning and you think, do you know what, I prayed that prayer for the first time, listen, we're going to have some people out the sides, you can just go and stand with them and they'll just pray for you and bless you. You might be here this morning thinking, do you know what, I need rest. I need to know that call and that invitation of rest. Uh, for, for whatever reason, whether it's life circumstances, whether it's oppression, whether it is looking for acceptance in the wrong places, I need to know that rest this morning. Why don't you go out to the sides as well? So I'm going to pray with you to know the very rest and invitation of God to you right at this moment. Or maybe you're here thinking, do you know what, as I was talking about being a channel of God's love to the places we find ourselves, there was a rise of faith in you and you thought, do you know what, I know God's put me in this place to be a channel of God's love, but it's tough. I want someone to pray with me to help me be a channel of God's love in this place. Why don't you go out the sides and some people will pray with you for the strength of God to be with you. But I would love us all to respond in worship if we could and then we'll just kind of direct people into prayer. So could the band come up and could we pray for one minute as the band leads us in a song and then I'm going to ask the prayer team just to move out to the side. But let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God to come and root in all he wants to say to us today, all he wants to impress afresh on our hearts. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, the God of eternity. You're the one who was and is and is to come. You're the God that welcomes us in. You're the God who sent his son, Jesus, for us, so that we might know, experience, live in, enjoy the welcome and invite of God. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. You don't call us servants in this invite. You call us friends. You invite us in as friends, as dear friends of the living God. And I want to ask this morning that you would um, lift any weariness, any burden, where we've been looking in the wrong places, whether life's difficulties have just weighed and dragged on us, whether we're experiencing oppression. Lord, let your rest and your peace come to us afresh. Enable us to come to you and receive all the blessings of this amazing promise. We're coming to you. We're not coming to one another primarily. We're coming to you, the one who offers us rest, where we find our significance, where we find our acceptance. It's in you. Holy Spirit, come and flood us. Come and fill our hearts afresh. Come and lift our eyes to Jesus. You're our one desire. Thank you, God. So we're going to sing. Why don't we stand? We're going to sing.